episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Clayton Langeldigich. I'm Roy Van Order. I'm Drew Lesweer. I'm Chris Connybeer. I'm Jade Meskill. So uh, last week I had uh, sent out an article to the team that I found on uh, InfoQ, and the title was uh, How Rigid is Scrum? And it kind of was a collection of different quotes and some observations that people have made about the uh, flexibility or lack thereof of the Scrum framework. So um, just to get going, uh, what's everyone's opinion? Is Scrum a flexible or inflexible uh, framework? I would say, this is Drew, I would say that it's flexible uh, because it's overall very simple. It's got you know a couple artifacts, uh, a couple ceremonies, and just your, your basic structure. But in between that, there's a whole lot of room for, for movement, for change, for inspecting and adapting. So because of, because of the like overall simplicity, you can you can explain the general idea to somebody in in you know maybe ten minutes or so. Um, there's a lot of room for for change. I think that um, Scrum should uh, initially be rigid and then become more flexible over time. Like it's a good jump, a starting off point. Like get yourself to that point and then start adapting and figuring out whatever works best for you that produces the best results. And uh, that means doing things that Scrum allows for, like outside. Just sticking to Scrum by the book, you still have a lot of flexibility to do your own thing, and then even breaking some of the rules of Scrum. Mm-hmm. I think I think as long as everybody is on board with what's going on, and you try try one or two things at a time, so you minimize um, like overall risk and are able to measure the impact. Like I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. This is Chris. I I agree with Roy, and I think that that's is specifically you can tell that that's what Scrum was built for, is that it's built to be rigid at first, not rigid, but it's built to be something that you can follow and you can learn from and then adapt and change. So I I don't think it's rigid overall. No. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the uh, idea, Roy, of maybe it being inflexible or rigid up front uh, and, and kind of doing Scrum. Uh, one of the detractors in the article kind of mentions that um you know teams it kind of sends alarm bells uh when it when a team says that they're going to do scrum by the book but uh another point in the article mentions that some teams seem to do scrum by the book uh, and they make it very rigid from the start because they're afraid of doing it wrong and they just want to make sure they're doing the right thing um do you think that's a mistake uh i don't i think i brought it up in a previous i don't think that's a mistake and i think i brought that up in a previous scrum cast which is that a lot of times when you are first gaining experience with Scrum, you want to break some of the rules of Scrum because it's easier. And and when I said before that you can feel feel free if you know what you're doing and the entire team's on board and all of that and you're measuring the changes and you're breaking the rules of Scrum, I, d- I don't mean that you're doing that to find something that's easier. I mean to find something that's better, that, that gets more business value and that produces more reliable results. I think a lot of times people will take a particular rule, like let's say one product owner, uh, right, and they'll say, "Well, that doesn't work for us because we have a whole bunch of different people. Let's um, let's instead have a whole bunch of product owners, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and break that rule because that doesn't work for us." And that ends up causing problems down the road. And really, what they're avoiding is they're avoiding a difficult conversation where they they start having to make decisions. Instead, they just cater to everybody at once, and that that ends up not benefiting the the entire team in the long run. Yeah. So the, this came up at Agile 2011 in somebody's talk that I was in, and. They made a great reference to uh, Pablo Picasso, and they brought up some of his very early works. And you know, they're very traditional uh, paintings that you would really expect from a, a a normal painter, right? And and what he said is that uh, Picasso had to learn 
the fundamentals and the basics of painting and how to paint and how to, you know, replicate exactly what he was seeing before he was able to then throw out all the rules, break all the rules and, you know, come up with the amazing innovative uh, paintings that he was able to create later. I thought that was a really good way of putting it. And uh, I, this, Chris, I just want to add to that and the fact that uh, I, I'm working with a team off-site right now, and I think some of the problems I had when I first got with this team really come from where they took Scrum and they wanted a process because they were so used to having processes in Waterfall before that they treated that process as if it was inflexible. It wasn't that Scrum wasn't inflexible. It was the way that they treated it because that was their culture and that was the way that they were used to doing things. I think if people are going in and they're being well-coached, and they understand that, that this is so you can learn and you can make decisions later and then you make changes based upon what really works for your team instead of just when it hurts, that it can be a great platform for you to start building upon. So that brings uh, to another point uh, that someone made about kind of the rigid, rigidity of Scrum is they mentioned that they didn't really like the stand-up meeting because they felt that the kind of 15-minute time box and the idea that each person was going to say their piece and move on um, – they felt that it didn't really let uh, like spontaneous knowledge sharing occur, and it was hard to have a 15-minute time box because the team would be going in a certain direction that they thought was a uh, you know productive direction, and they were having a good conversation, and then the stand-up had to be over. Uh, is that a misapplication of the kind of stand-up rules, or is that the purpose of the stand-up to to keep those things, uh, keep that stuff short, and maybe not everyone benefits from that, or maybe not everyone agrees that they were going down the right path? So, I think I think that's a good example where the stand-up should have, um, like, the stand-up rule uh, should have applied. Like, that makes actually a lot of sense because there were certain members of the team that were having a great discussion that they felt was really productive. What you don't know is, are there two or three or four or however many members of the team that felt like this was wasting their time because it touched something? that they had nothing to do with. And so I think that uh, the 15-minute stand-up allow, would have allowed it to come up so everybody who's interested is aware of it or everybody who feels like they have something to contribute is allowed to, is allowed to have that, uh, become part of that spontaneous interaction and then push it so it's offline so you stick within your 15-minute time box and immediately after stand-up continue the discussion only with the people that want to be part of it and, are, and feel like they are able to contribute. Yeah, also like... For example, today with our team, we kind of had a spontaneous, um, you could call it a meeting, but it was more of just like a team conversation where we even pulled in more stakeholders, and it was kind of spontaneous. So, you know, just because, you know, the Scrum um, framework doesn't prescribe any spontaneous meetings per se doesn't mean you can't do them. So I'm saying, you know, Clayton, you asked if that was a misapplication. Let's say if, if there was a legit purpose for extending a, a morning meeting longer that kind of didn't fall within a stand-up, you can call that just another meeting, I would say. But I, also, I do agree with your point, Roy, that, you know, just because something's uncomfortable, like, if something's uncomfortable um, to, like, to have a rigid stand-up, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Try, try to do the uncomfortable parts of Scrum because it might expose uh, issues. You bring, up a, you bring up a great point that, yeah, probably two or three of those people aren't getting anything out of that extended stand-up. Is there a chance that some people might confuse, um, regardless of the Agile methodology, they might confuse um, rigid, having a rigid system or being, the system being inflexible with uh, something that's maybe exposing a bad behavior that they currently have on the team, uh, something that they're used to doing that maybe they shouldn't be doing, um, but it feels wrong not to do it. And so they, they uh, inappropriately 
uh, apply that as a, a inflexibility of the methodology. Gotcha. Like, like for example, the multiple product owner thing. We're like, oh, well, Scrum doesn't work for us because it requires only one product owner, and that's just not possible. Same something like that. Yeah. Or, I mean, what are some examples of where maybe people are used to doing something that they think is, uh, you know, maybe uh, for this particular instance, they're used to having uh, long morning meetings that one or two people think are very productive, uh, but everyone else on the team uh, thinks are not, you know, and so it would seem that the 15-minute time box is restrictive. Or, or another example could be our development cycle is too long. There's no way we could have a four-week sprint. Like, that's that's never going to be able to happen. And that, that's a limitation of Scrum that it doesn't fit our eight-week cycle model. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking back to when we first started uh, adopting Scrum inside Integrum, and uh, so many things that we said were impossible are the things that we do every day. And I think, you know, it, it was because it made us uncomfortable and was not part of our culture that we wanted to resist those those foreign elements coming into how we do business. And, you know, once we kind of got over that and started to pay attention to the benefits that the constraints were giving us, that's when it became much easier to accept those limitations, embrace them, and actually use them to make us better. And so it's good that you bring up the idea of the of some you know the concept of constraints. Um, I think that's kind of where the the article drives towards eventually is that there are certain sets of constraints that every you know application, every agile methodology is going to have, um, whether it's Scrum or whatever. And so you're going to have these constraints. And maybe you just need to make the choice that if you can't live within those constraints, then uh, maybe this isn't the the right framework for you. Um, do you think it is appropriate to say that if you can't live within the constraints of Scrum, don't do Scrum at all? Or is it okay to maybe do parts of Scrum? I, mean, I think there's great parts of Scrum that are really great best practices, no matter what it is that you're doing. Uh, no matter how you want to apply the framework. So I, I certainly think that you can pick and choose certain practices from Scrum, uh, but I don't think that you'll get the, the full benefit. You won't see the maximum uh, effectiveness uh, without, without embracing the whole thing. Because there is so much, Jade, I, I think what you're, you know, I agree with you. I think that there's so much that, practices build upon the other practices to help bring the teams together and to help everything work better and to you know achieve that efficiency and and people that that cut and chop it up they never realize that and then it gets even harder for them to understand why some of the points that they're trying to stay with why they're painful uh yeah so i guess kind of to, to wrap up what are what are some ways that you know if you're on a team and maybe you're trying to adopt scrum uh, and you're feeling like it is inflexible, uh, where do you reach out or or how do you know uh, that, how can you be sure that it's the framework that you're running into versus uh, something that's kind of inherent to your team that's baked in, maybe a bad practice that you already have? How do you know which is which and how do you approach that problem? So I think that's something that's very difficult to discover. And especially if you have very little experience with it, I don't think that you're going to be able to make that determination without getting some kind of mentor or bringing in somebody that has more experience or even even if it's just an outside person that's not so closely attached to the problem, I think, uh, is able to make that determination a lot better than uh, you yourself are, especially just starting with it. Also, I think... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, also, I think that, uh, you know, sure, how do I determine if, if this is just not right for me or 
or if I'm doing it wrong, or uh, or what. You know, the cool thing about Scrum too is the inspect and adapt, the, the um, iterations, right? So, you you know, how about for one iteration or or whatever you want to call it, you try, you hardcore try this principle of Scrum that you don't think your team it applies to your team, and maybe you have to do it for more than one iteration, but at least for one and inspect and adapt. And there's al- there's always obviously going to be the first uncomfortable part about it, um, but try try it out i think that's a that's a huge thing if even if you don't think it, it applies a lot of people say it works try it out and see see what the results are i think that's good you know going back to what roy said i think it is challenging to see from the inside your own problems uh i, I do think it can be done but you have to be almost psychopathically dedicated to <laughs> looking at yourself and and introspecting and you know, really digging deep all the time and, and pushing the limits all the time of what it is that you're doing to see, you know, where where the core problems lie and what what's really going on. And so I think you can benefit from a third party because they're not weighed down by all that baggage. But it's certainly possible to overcome yourself and your own challenges uh, with a lot of hard work. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, that brings us to next time.